All right, hey everyone, we're here for another episode of the MCMA podcast, and we have a special guest with us today. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am Chandrai. Uh, feel free to call me CS because that's easier. Okay, and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself more. Well, I don't think there's anything worth mentioning about myself, but yeah, I'm a small podcaster as well. And yeah, life's going pretty good. I think that's it. Okay, well, that's a good introduction. So what we have for the eleventh <laughs> episode of MC Anime is military depicted in anime. So what military plays in anime is usually they have a standing army and that standing army enforces policies in the anime universe. So if we take that concept and apply it to either military operation type anime or war scenarios, then that's how they play it out in that capacity. So what do you think about that? Well, I think, in my opinion, well, it's basically, I mean, it's a very cool concept, and, like, it's just like a real war type thing in anime as well. So they don't really make any mistakes in that place. I mean, they just make it as real as it can be, which is the coolest thing, I feel. Yeah, that is actually really cool, actually. Yeah. the uh, anime that we were talking about today include mm-hmm. Attack on Titan, Violent Evergarden, Daring in the Franks, and Seraph of the Inn. Yeah. So the first anime we're going to discuss is Attack on Titan. So we see yep. Attack on Titan. How do we see the betrayal of the military concept in the anime? It plays out with the survive courts, with handling the different titans and basically being able to go out and attack different titans as well. Uh huh. And the main reason to do so for all of this is to keep the peace and try to bring sustainability to the different interlocking cities that are, you know, blocked off of the different sections. So yeah, what do you think I think the- that, uh, I think that Attack on Titan is, I think, a very basic military setting, but again, it's really amazing because the history of this titan and everything is just so cool. And uh, the way it goes back is basically, it just sounds so real that you cannot say that it's only a fantasy or a made-up story, right? I mean, it's amazing how it goes. And also how the uh, survey course work is also something which is very realistic and very amazing at the same time because you can really see how it works and in the real army as well that's how things work which is pretty dope and cool yeah and also with the survive corps they are a branch of the military most actively involved in the direct titan combat titan study human expansion and outside exploration so yeah. they have different roles that they play, but in that different role, like, for example, Titan Combat, they know so much about the Titans in battle that the other branches of the military in Attack on Titan is limited what they know, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a big deal in itself because knowing the strategies, it's it's really cool how they know that the nape of the... Uh, the nape of the titan is where basically its weak point lies and it's so damn cool like the whole concept it's really really inspirational and cool so it's it's something that 
in real life as well you can find in armies and not only in real life but i think that the fictional setting is one thing but the strategies that uh, the survey course has is just basically it's real and not fictional oh yeah and then not only the titan combat but they also have the titan study like we see them yeah lamenting finding out more about the titans and in doing so they find out so much and in the process of finding them out they go on the campaign to, to reveal the past to the present day and how that applies in titan knowledge kind of interesting yeah. yeah very interesting and also a really interesting thing about titan biology each titan that we see in the show like the the common titans is different types and all of that but then we get into the special titans those have special characteristics above above the other titans yep they have i think there are nine types if yeah. i'm not mistaken and yeah. all of them are like they have special characteristics that differ them from each and every other type which is amazing because they got to research a lot to get into that depth of knowing so much about the titans it's amazing and uh you know Aaron, the main character gives him so much knowledge into the yeah he is kind of ridiculous yeah i mean uh Aaron isn't really a favorite character of mine but i think that a lot of people started liking him in season four basically yeah. that's like uh, i mean i think that i think that's okay but he's sort of anti hero now and i am really not a big fan of that but anyway i think a lot of people like that yeah and then we have the human expansion mission um but basically yeah. trying to expand their territory and if one day to possibly go outside the walls and actually live is what the goal is yep so it it seems to support the idea of possible hope to get outside the walls one day yeah yeah and it's pretty nice right i mean just for them thinking about getting outside the walls is such a big idea that they are ready to risk their own lives and like it's it's amazing but you can also see the fear in the people inside the walls you know they are just so damn scared that they don't want to go outside and they curse yeah. the people who go outside which is again something that comes with the main pro- main plot and also something that's really realistic as well yeah it it provides a understanding of what the motive is but also what the insecurities are you know you have different one side wants to have the hope to escape to find another life while the other ones that've been there for 100 years are accustomed to the old life and they don't want to leave it yep that's that's really something the anime does that you know it's just so realistic even when i think about the titans it just still it seems so realistic because titans are just you know they are just like villains to them but when yeah. they come to know the truth it's not really like they're villains but they are actually you know one of them which yeah, is it's like uh, that's so obscene but good yeah. at the same time it creates like a bunch of irony in the conflict and when they yeah. found the truth it's basically revealed that everything it's revealed that everything is not what it seems to be so what is going on really challenges the status quo what they know. Yep. So the final mission that they try to do the responsible for its outside exploration. One of the first mm. missions that they usually do is go outside the walls and explore. This is before yep. they actually start fighting directly with the titans. This is mostly as like what is out there? What can we do? How many titans are out there? Stuff like that. Yep. And I think and that's also pretty cool that they can really go outside and after they came to know about the Marlians that was pretty cool actually because Marlians are on different level 
like they are yeah. totally equipped and they have the knowledge of all the titans it's it's so cool but also survey course comes to know about this pretty soon which is again very nice and cool because you know i think that the knowledge that aot has really expands after the third season yeah yeah and they also um it's also seen in the show that when they do the outside exploration it can actually be really dangerous cuz um one one of the missions the public is really criticizing the scouts of them going out and they did they had they had a lot of casualties as a result of it yeah i think that was a very heartbreaking scene as well because i mean so many people just died and yeah. it was just a massacre but again it was really heartbreaking at the same time it was like they have learned something new now they have something to go ahead with and they can really investigate on that which was again a very cool thing yeah it just begs the question you know the world around them ain't safe and even if you go outside the wall you're not guaranteed to be safe yeah so it really supports the notion is there like it tests the resolve first of all they have to see if the resolve to come to an understanding of the titans and the hopeful escape is worth it in the end Yep. What do you think? What do you think about the the testing of the resolve? Yeah, I think that. Fine. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything to say on that because, but I think that the whole anime is basically going outside your comfort zone and getting out there and exploring the stuff that the outside the wall world has to offer and. I mean, uh, have you read the manga, by the way? A little bit, Out yeah. Out of the blue, right? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I think that the I think that everyone knows the ending. Yeah. Yeah, so. sad, but I guess that's how it ended. And they also send the best soldiers, most skilled, and the vertical maneuvering equipment, which is the equips that they use to latch on trees and other titans. Oh, we're talking about yeah. that. The virtual yeah. maneuvering equipment. Yep, yep, yep. That's like the main fighting style to fight the Titans. Yeah. So if anyone that is not aware what virtual maneuvering equipment is, it's literally the gear in which they launched onto their backs. And those survive corps mainly use it, but also the police, the military police brigade also use them. It's a set of equipment by the humans for greater mobility when facing the Titans in combat. And they to fight in a 3D space as opposed to a 2D one. The equipment itself takes the form of a body harness that encases much of the body below the neck. So what do you think about the fighting style of the invent to fight the titans i think that is wonderful because thinking that you're going to fight someone who is twice or thrice or 10 times as bigger like 10 times bigger than you are i think there has to be something like that and thinking that they were really not that civilized and not that scientifically improved like marlians were they have done quite a good job right i mean mm-hmm. uh having something so wonderful to really like fight it off against the titans it's good like it's really good like marlians had so much advantage like they have these tanks already and all these things but the uh, people inside the walls they don't have that but they still have something to fight with and they can really go against they can really go against the titans with that which is amazing oh yeah it basically evens the playing field in the fight against the titans and they also yep. have skill to it as too 
Um, they symbolize the hope of mankind, then stigma being known as the wings of freedom. So, if you know, they're those, not only are they symbols, but it also means the insignia is wings of freedom. So, they're basically expressing their way to fly in a combative way on the Titans, flying to the sky with the, with the equipment. Yep. And for anyone that doesn't know, flying in this case is not actual wings. It's using the harness equipment to basically latch on to structures and buildings and Titans themselves as a way to maneuver around them and use the cable connected to the structure to exceed in the, compa- in the space they're fighting in. What's what's that weapon called? You know the boomerang or the it's basically the instrument in which people use to latch on to buildings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't remember the name for it. Or was that? <laughs> it's oh man. God oh, forgot it. I think it was like a uh Hooks. Pission shot group grapple hooks. Grapple hooks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think it's like it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's grapple hooks. The basic the basic grapple yeah, hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gra- grapple hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> the basic grapple hook in without anime terms is literally most of the time it's like four fish hooks. But it, when it launches on, it actually makes it so it's like an anchor. It anchors to the bottom instead of anchors at of the bottom. It anchors into like a roof. You use it on the roof, and then you pull yourself and climb the building. People use it uh, a lot of times to secure themselves or go up a building. Also. Um, it's similar to a grappling, like a, a a hook and line, a zip line. It's also the same concept as well. So. Yep. It's kind of interesting because a lot of times when we see a grappling hook, it's really like superhero movies. You know. Yeah. They have the grappling yeah. type device. Like let's say they have a grappling hook, they use it, and they shoot out of it. Similar to how they use it in Attack on Titan. They grab onto a yep. building and fly through the air and then jump to buildings. Yep. But theirs is more like smaller. Like they shoot out the line and it penetrates the structure and then releases the hooks to have structure to stability. That's kind of cool. Um, That's how they use it. That's the main fighting style. So through doing so, they're able to now greater mobility and fight the Titans in a way that we think is really interesting. Yep. I mean, even though like they don't have that much um, things or they don't know that much about the outside world, they still have their own advantages. Yeah. And, you know, they also have, they regain more responsibility when the Titans penetrate the the walls. So yep. they have to now get the Titans out of that territory to make it more mm-hmm. stable for recolonization of the area. Yep, yep, yep. Totally. So, I mean... That's pretty much, you know, the survive corpse that we see in Attack on Titan and how the yeah. mission changes after they break the wall and, you know, basically using Aaron as advantage in understanding the Titans more. <laughs> yeah. Like... Their knowledge is so limited, they wouldn't be able to find everything like they were able to do before. So, yep. it really goes to show you. I think that uh, after Eren transformed, that when 
like basically when he transformed and everyone thought that he was dead i think after his transformation and how people came to know about this i think after that the survey course came to know more and more about the titans and how there can be other titans who are not really mindless i think yeah. that's the best part because eren basically made like helped them in a lot of way with the you know the knowledge of the titans that's amazing yeah and without that knowledge they won't be able to fight as well as they're doing right now so yep so that's the attack on titan discussion about survive survey court now we're going to talk discuss violent evergarden yeah want to introduce violent evergarden to the audience well yeah i mean why not violent violet evergarden isn't really i mean at first glance it isn't really something like a war anime but it's something basically which is post war anime where the things have already happened but when like the past that we see in violet's uh, basically violet's past has a lot of things that can be counted into this war type anime it's basically world war uh i guess it's something like that and uh, am i audible yeah so that's pretty good start um so violent evergarden violent is a former soldier who's enlisted into the oh gosh Leiden, Lin, Lee, Din, Skandarif Army. That's a long name, and fought in the war. Which yeah, let's let's try to shorten that up because I'm pretty yeah. sure I won't be able to say that. Okay, you want to say the army? Do you know the army? Oh well, I'm really not sure. I mean, it's been a while. I've watched Violet of a Garden first of all, Lin- and. Yeah. I mean I I really think that um Lin the army it's not Lin really Lin. introduced much about the army but about Lin. her life. Yeah. There was like yeah it's it's pretty disturbing at the same time but it's yeah. it was really sad. I think it's like one of the first animes that made me cry like a yeah, baby. Yeah. And she was also treated nothing more than a weapon. She became yeah. all the memories doll at the postal company after the war. seeking to understand the meaning of words and yep i mean that's yeah. that's such a different type of character that you won't find in every anime and damn there and was like it was so good and it was so so emotional and heartbreaking as well at least i haven't watched the movie so i don't know what happened after that but the anime was pretty like okay the series was like too too sad for me oh yeah and uh, the now that's background about her character and how she's a member of that out that standing army um yeah uh let's see lee din lay din skastovich is a country that's located in the southern middle part of the continental talus one of the main locations in the Violet Evergarden series in the location where the Violet where Violet fought in the war um so remember about the continent of Talus well uh, from Violet's perspective that's all we see right i mean we see that Uh, wait. Are we talking about the place where, like, are we talking about the past or? This is where she fought in the war. Oh, um. Yeah. Well, I don't remember much about it myself. Just remember a few details from the past. Okay. Well, I remember so... the place after she, like, she became the doll and all that, but gotcha. I don't remember before that one. Well, yeah, it's important to know what, what kind of army she fought in before she, you know. got control over the the scientist that made her in something something else so um tell us is a it's elliptical in shape towards east and the west 
it's the southern central t- t- region in like the Langdon Sakasovich. Its capital, Linden, is located along the southeastern coast. Climate is hot and humid. Agriculture is high of the abundant water. Many, many of rice strong. Okay, so yeah. So it is pretty straightforward in the introduction. Uh, she fought in yep. this hot place with a lot of water. So as yep. was all fighting in there, her formal standing in the army is higher for the fact that, you know, it's it's really painful to understanding where someone begins, where they are now. That transition is very uh, compelling to me. Yep, I mean... For her, it was basically, even she knew that she is a weapon and her only task was to basically kill the other people, like the uh, the people who were against them. But to her leader, it was something else. And it's, it's such a sweet story as well. I mean, it's so amazing just to think that, you know, someone else's opinion can matter to you so much that... You can't forget that person in a way. You still want to find out about that person. And I mean, gosh, we are going out of the war type. Like, what happened to that? We are just going to the story, huh? Okay. So it was really amazing how that happened. And especially also, I feel like the war thing and how they fought, it was also shown in a good way. It was definitely not as long as the after story of Violet, but it was in a good way that we see that, you know, there's nothing else we can do, right? I mean, someone has to die. It's a war. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Oh, yeah. But the the after, like the post-war trauma was still seen in so many people. I mean, it's it's sort of heartbreaking. Like a war can change so much. Oh, yeah. We also see the depiction of War affecting Violet as the weapon that they want her to be. So that's yeah. telling in itself of how war situations treat others. Yep. I mean, a war is a big thing, and not a lot of people understand that. But, you know, war is like a really big thing, and it not only affects the two people you know, in that world, but also the people around them, you know, the people close to them or anyone, you know, there might be situations where not someone like only two parties wants to have a war, but the others don't really agree with that. They are just a victim of that war, nothing else. So that is also something that's shown really well in Violet Evergarden, I feel. And also a brief history of the of the country where she's located that did this war. Um, Lenin Death Leiden Lazovich has been invaded repeatedly by neighbor countries, imports, ports, and natural resources, many defeats, capital invaded by the enemy armies because many countries will not survive economically if trading services was a stop in this country. There were so many threats from foreign enemies talking the mainland. If one studied the country's history, there will finally be most recordings of battles against invaders. So that is that story and the setting and how it presents itself to Violet, you know? Yeah, I, I like, I mean, damn, the story, I think that uh, Violet, ever gotten more than showing the war scenes and showing the pre-war scenes and effects and how everything was it shows how war affects a a particular country or a place and how it affects the people living there i think that's the main like the setting of violet ever garden in a way and also um it's Violet herself that actually ends up winning the war in the final battle. 
Yep, I mean, that's that's how... She's the ultimate weapon that is now restoring peace. Yep. The question is, when she turns into a weapon, does she still regain her consciousness, or does it only weapon mode? Let me rephrase. If she's in weapon in the doll state, does she still regain her her humanity? Well, that's. Yeah. I mean, Violet never had like feelings and emotions to begin with. She did have, but oh, she yeah. never could really express that in front of people, and that's the reason why everyone treated her like a weapon and not as a human. Even though she was young, she could never really express herself, except for only one person who understood her. The others just treated her like a trash, which was like really bad. But I think that after she became a doll, she started understanding things and she also understood the last words of, uh, I think Gilbert, his name was. Yeah, Yeah, so she also understood. Her major Gilbert in this scenario is very pivotal to connecting to her through her humanity side. He's like that balance to her and the support care that she needed to go through this situation. Yep. And uh, even though we wouldn't, like, we didn't see much of Gilbert in the series, but... Still, like, he was totally connected throughout the story. And I think he's the only character, uh, especially in the army, I could really feel, you know, bad about because he died and that was really sad for me. And, uh, you know, he left someone who's really, you know, who can't really express herself much and something like that. Like, basically, Violet is really like she really has to work on expressing herself but she couldn't do it being in the army and no one treated her like that i think if gilbert was alive in the series i'm not sure about the film though but in the series if gilbert was alive then he would have like really been with violet and would have helped her so much to you know understand herself in the scenario and also like i mean you never know it will have been such an happy ending but yes that didn't happen but anyway i think that the realization that gilbert was dead really shook violet and it also you know got her human emotions out she could really express it after that that was amazing i mean a person can affect so much to the other person we could really see that in uh, Violet of a Garden. Yeah. I really like the concept of, you know, even though she's treated as the weapon she is and not really understand, there's still some human side that we see. And that's often the case when you have, like, limited emotions or, you know, artificial-type scenarios. But how they express their emotions... Is subtle, but over time, throughout the story, see more and more of it. Yep, totally. And I think that's the beauty of Violet of a Garden and Cells. Like, how human can someone be? And, you know, it's not like she's uh, like she doesn't have feelings, but she couldn't express it, which was like so, so sad to even think about that you can't really express yourself freely with the people you are like with the company you have and it's it's really sad but again i think that she really have uh, emotions and i think everyone has emotions and the final realization that violet has was that she is not a weapon she is a human and she is really someone who can express as well as she also has feelings and she feels bad at the same time she is like any other human that we see You know, she ties into, and she also lost his arm during the final battle. Um, she was given a million times several prosthetics. She literally says to herself, 
clumsy but sturdy. So that limited vocabulary signifies, you know, they're, they're awkward, but they feel really good. They can do a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that that was also a very pretty, like, that was very amazing to just know that you can have such things because before watching Violet Evergarden, I had no idea about this fake arms and legs that could have been there. Plus, also the typewriting thing was also pretty new to me. But yeah, I mean, uh, at that time, they didn't have computers and laptops. So I guess that's how it happened. Yeah, that, you know, it really signifies the relationship that over long the way they she expresses and, you know, the human side that come out will relieve itself to be who she is. It's really, it's really strange to do characters that have limited either vocabulary or limited motions, you know, because you really yeah. have to draw them to state the emotions they are feeling. So everything yep. is based in how they act. Yeah. I think so, that's also something, that's the magic of the person who drew it and, you know, the studio in itself, because, I mean, it's so difficult to get someone's emotions out, you know? And with Violet, it was like a different scene in itself. You also got to have the music, like the background music that would really make sense for that yeah. and it was amazing like the whole aesthetic of the anime is so relaxing but it also is pretty heavy to take yeah so uh this ends that's a good transition for the next um talking point daring in the franks what do you want to introduce yeah. about daring in the franks Oh, well, actually, Darling in the France was, like, the first mecha I watched. And it was not really too mecha type for me because uh, I also know Code Gears and it was, like, pretty mecha. But Darling in the France was more on the concept of emotions and love, but as a matter of fact, because those kids were basically, you know, they didn't have the freedom to express themselves. But with some time, they learned how to do that. And the yeah. concept of France was also, like, pretty dope to me. Though yeah. I do think that the ending could have been better. <laughs> pretty dope. That's funny. And, uh, and a brief synopsis of what the series is. Distant future, humanity has been driven to a new extension by a giant beast known as... What? Oh, my. Cloxothors, forcing the surviving <laughs> to take refuge in massive fortress called the Plantations. Children race trained to pilot mechas known as the Franks. Only weapons known to be effective against the Cloxothors. They have often um, the female and male counterpart pairing system. Children know nothing of the outside world, only able to prove their existence by defending the race. Hero, aspiring Frank, Frank's pilot, lost the motivation, self-confidence after failing an altitude test, class graduation, skipping it, Forest Lake, encounters a mysterious skill, two horns, by her codename Zero Two, belong to the infamous Frank pilot known as the Partner Killer, so yeah, we introduced to Zero Two in Creature. She engages in Franks that attacks the plantation. Finding her partner dead, Zero Two invites Hero to pilot the mecha with her. Easily defeats the Claxo store with a new partner by her side. Hero has now been given a chance at redemption for his past failures, but what at what cost? Yep. And for anyone that doesn't know, um, this anime also inspired a really meme. Does like it was a particular dance, and it was shown all over the place. But that's not why we're discussing it. We are discussing because <laughs> um, 
the mecha aspect is really geared in this organization to defeat them, the Exosaurs. What's your your description of the Exosaurs that can be kind of good? The creatures that Sorry, they're fighting. You what? What, what? Can you describe the creatures they're fighting? Ugh. Well, uh, like the Klaxosaurs and the Franks? Yes. Okay, I, I mean, uh, there has to be a female and a male uh, partner for, uh, you know, driving the uh, the France. And the Klaxosaur is like a little confusing if you have completed the series, but um, normally if you see, they are basically robotic type things, which are basically villains in the anime. That's the that's the uh, most ineffective way I can explain this right now. So do they are they man made and they're just going out into territory, or they're from another dimension? Oh, uh, they're man made, right? Okay, yeah. So usually, uh, when we see all these creatures, they either come from the depths and attack on humanity, or they come from a different dimension. So I guess in this case, yeah. though. They are man-made. Oh yeah, they are man-made, and uh, I don't remember much of the past, but yeah, I think that the it was the Laxosaur Queen or something, mm-hmm. right? And the Doctor was also like he was pretty like she, he was attracted to the Laxosaur Queen, and that's the reason why Zero Two was made, which is yeah. again it's a little different because. Okay, uh, I never knew people really did that sort of stuff, but okay, I think that's that. Yeah, Klaxosaur is a biological weapon created by the Klaxo sapiens and the Darling in the Franks. Central antagonist for most of the series, but later joined forces with humanity to defend Earth from Vilm. Yeah, they're also piloted by male and female co-pilot Klaxo sapiens. So yep. it's kind of interesting because now not only like they're not like they're also mechas themselves. So they oh, yeah, also yeah, have yeah. male and female pairings against the same organization trying to defend them. So it really brings in the question are they really the enemy if we're so similar? Well, uh, I mean, it really depends, right? I mean, for them, it's uh, a little different because I think uh, at the end, we got to know that Klaxosaurs are basically sort of uh, aliens, if Mm -hmm. I'm not wrong. Yeah, so that's also pretty fascinating in a way because, well, they are not aliens, uh, like the France, they are not aliens, but, well, they basically have to be controlled Whereas the Klaxosaurs, they are basically alienous creatures, yeah. which is, again, the ending. So it really brings in a question if, you know, like, let's go back to Hira and uh, his partner. So apparently yeah. he's is the partner destroyer. Why is that? Oh, well, because... I think two or three people uh, before Hero came into place. I think two or three people uh, zero to control the pile, like piloted the uh, France with, and all of them died in a very tragic way. So when Hero and Zero Two came along, people thought about the same thing, right? I mean, that's how it is because maybe Hero will die as well. Which is like, okay, I mean, I think that works. But again, it's also a little difficult to judge. Even the hero to, uh, sorry, uh, even though hero didn't die, he did become a Klaxosaur at the end of the series. Sort of like that, right? Okay. So it begs the question, um, if they're all enemies at once and suddenly be allies to face a new threat, were they really enemies from the get-go? 
or they're just misunderstanding about who they were and all that stuff. Well, um, I think that there was a misunderstanding. I mean, um, like, like, uh, they didn't know much about the Queen Claxosaurus because of this doctor who just screwed things up. That's why <laughs> things really went really bad for them because the doctor also. Well, the things I think that the things turned bad because of the doctor. If those things wouldn't have happened, I think that uh, this misunderstanding also wouldn't have happened, and maybe. Maybe this Plaxosaurin France thing also wouldn't have happened. They could have lived a good life like the kids. They could have lived a good life and also away from the pressure of the people, you know. They basically, uh, in the series also, I think that they were quite pressurized, you know, to be good and, you know, to help and be the saviors of uh, humanity as well, which is also a little bad because it's also harsh for people, right? I mean, they are just kids. They aren't supposed to do that. But again, they had to do that as well. In the starting of the series, we see that uh, the like it's a big deal. Like being a France pilot is a big deal. And they had to go through a lot of training before that as well. And yeah, and uh, one last thing. Um, the military aspect, APE, is the political organization of scientists and govern all humanity. They've worked, this is in the nines, uh, worked directly with Dr. Franks in the creation of the Franks program, Papa, but children, and also dogs alike. Members of the APE wear white robes and support unique mechanical masks. So, and then yeah. we have seven pages too. Yeah, I, I think uh, I lost you. Yeah, so basically, APE is the organization that funded and created the Franks program with Dr. Frank. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that part. So they're very vital as they are the organization that is literally creating the Franks program, which the Franks program is the military operation to face the Alexosaurs. Oh, yeah. And I think Papa was the part of that, uh, you know, program as well, right? I mean, yeah. he also helped in that. And that's why the kids admired him so much. They just thought that, I mean, who could have thought that he was the, like, basically the boss of those aliens? That yeah. was pretty different. So it goes but to again, you... he was pretty much trusted by all the kids as well, because they just thought that, yeah. you know, Papa assigned him something good and maybe he's going to take care of all of them. And also the higher ranking yeah. uh, Frank's pilots, the other like the more uh, arrogant kids who yeah. were there, they were like pretty strong, but they also, but they also were very you know, they were like, basically, they just listened to Papa all the time. They never said anything wrong about them. Even when Hiro and his friends, uh, sus like, they were suspicious of what Papa was doing, the others weren't because they trusted him that much. Yeah. This, all, this is a really uh, interesting transition period to talk about Zeref of the End as well. Oh, yeah. So, like, Zeref of the end. What do you think is transpiring in that anime for the military to be very active? Well, uh, the first part is that basically when things go wrong and vampires, they basically take yeah. away the whole world. And what the kids are told, like the kids who were basically trapped with the vampires were told that all the humanity is gone and only the kids are alive. I think that's what they were told. And that's why they basically had to live there and be with the vampires for the vampires were basically like they had to have blood all the time from the humans, which was again very disturbing for kids. But again, I think that was the main concept. And after 
uh, I think I forgot the name of the main guy. Who was that again? Uh, yeah. You have uh, Yoriko and uh, Mikali. Alright, so uh, with the appearance of the mysterious forest, because everyone above the age of 13, mankind has become enslaved by previously hidden powerful hungry vampires to sustain society with the promise of protecting the survivors in exchange for donations of the blood. Lonely survivors uh, Yuchi Oro and Michaelia, two young boys, were taken captive from an orphanage with other children with the concern of family discount with being treated like livestock under the vampire's reign. Michaelia Hatches a ridiculous, rebellious escape, doomed to fail. The only survivor to come out is the other side is Yuchi Oro, who is found by the Moon Demon Company, military unit trying to exterminate the vampires. Now a member of the Japanese Imperial Demon Army is determined to take revenge on the creatures that slaughtered his family, but at what cost? Post-apocalyptic, supernatural, it follows a young man's search for redemption. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's the basic summary for the story. So it goes... Okay, so... Michaelia is the one that escapes the demon... uh, the vampires. And then... Yukurio is the one that escapes to the Moon Demon Company. Moon Demon Company is the basically humans that want to slay all the demons known as the vampires. Michael takes the side of the vampires. So, how does this transpire in the anime that you think is really good? Oh, well, I mean, it's really good, like, in a way, because um, not only we see the side of the military, but we also see the side of the vampires. And how they use, uh, uh, I think, what was that guy's name again? Mika, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Mika. Yes. So, like, we also see his part. And why does he side with the vampires? Because after some time, he wasn't really, in a way, he wasn't really just being there because no one was there with him. But he was also being there because he was siding up with the vampires. And he also knew that the military the human military they were trans like they were basically you know making some pretty shady stuff out and uh, i think the main guy was you yeah you also basically they i think they did some experiment with you which was pretty disturbing because like in the i think the ending episodes of the first season we could see how he transformed into something damn different and Definitely did not act as a human, which was very, very different. And I also think the contrast of the, these two people in the orphanage that escapes, vampires find them, and then they escape from it, really shows how that separation at a young age was a pivotal force in them joining two different sides. Yeah. It, like, embraces the idea that, like, uh, it, it kind of embraces the, the trope of star-crossed lovers. Eventually, you will be separate, and then you find them on the other side, but the way you find them is in traumatic experiences. Oh, yeah, I like, think. exactly, like, I think. And that, like, the total aspect of two-crossed lovers, but it's usually this is it's mostly the application of being separate but now fighting against each other when you basically find each other again so yeah i also feel like you is the kind of character who's also very similar to erin in yeah. the like personality wise because he also despises uh, vampires because of how traumatic his uh, past was so I think they also shared this relationship as well. 
whereas uh, mika wasn't really siding with humans but he definitely was you know siding with you in a way he wasn't really interested in humans but he was interested in his friend and getting back his friends from you know the human side which is yeah. again it's a different concept in its all right i mean that's something that differs um seraph of the end and aot in a way oh yeah and you know this also brings in a question how you was found with the moon demon company as well you know the Though no, the specialty is vampire extermination. Uh, in Survivor of the Inn, elite military group that's famous within vampire extermination. Uh, so yeah, they work in squads of five or more. Smaller team may not survive with an armed vampire. Cases teamwork encourages members to think of each other as family. Master choose enchanted gear, curse gear. And also four oh, bears yeah. with the demon series. The cursed gear ding the cursed gear was pretty bad because I think one of you's friends who also got the cursed gear with him was pretty like the demon yeah. basically uh took over his body, but yeah, the end was well, so I guess that's better because you was yeah. like he was basically like Eren in a lot of ways because he also took this like cursed thing like the cursed uh, weapons very not properly like he agreed with the demon and everything just seemed so proper with him but uh, for someone who is pretty weak hearted it could have been very deadly and serious yeah and they also use a spell craft as well to fight these immortal creatures and oh yeah in the end actually turns into a vampire so him being taken in by the vampire army really suggests that he was willing to to turn as a vampire to fight for them. Oh yeah, yeah. That part was also like really good and I hmm. also think that uh we get a lot of we don't get a lot of you and Mika's relationship in the first season yeah. except the part where you know the childhood scene where they were yeah. basically orphans and everything but we get a lot of that in the i think the second season i'm really yeah. not sure because i haven't watched that one yet yeah. but uh, yeah like it was pretty good how they also and how the girl uh shinua i guess her yeah. name was yeah and i think her part was also very good because we see how sarcastic she is but also she is very brave and she has a very good control of her ghost gear and i also think within the uh okay. so i also think um within everything of the Mikula is changing sides for I think motivation of basically well if I can't win against the vampires I might as well join them philosophy so oh yeah like <laughs> yeah because he had already given up on the thought that he can yeah. ever win considering how they were treated as livestock right yep. but you were still very determined to really get ahead and yep. probably win against the vampires because he despised them so much yep so this brings basically a closing to the podcast we talked about attack on titan um bon evergarden down the franks and seraph of the inn so any closing yeah. statements uh well i guess thank you so much first of all uh, it was really fun to be on this podcast and you know talk about anime and stuff because i really love anime and i think everyone does as well whoever is watching this episode and like it was so amazing talking about such like cool animes and also getting into the uh, the 
war kind of scenarios in animes. It was really good talking to you as well. So yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. And this is the uh, conclusion of the 11th episode of NC Anime, military depicted in the anime setting. And different military operations operate differently. And thank you for joining us. And this is anime, MC Anime signing off.